0: This episode of the Anti-Heroes Podcast with Zach Blair is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest's best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I personally always make a stop at Thunder Road Guitars in Seattle, uh, they're a great bunch of guys, and it's just not a complete Seattle trip unless I go and say hi and see what uh, wonderful stuff they have. These are real people offering real service, folks. Uh, use code ANTIHEROES10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com and tell them I sent you. Hey guys, this is Zach from the Anti Heroes podcast, and I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Can you believe that? Antiheroes listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com slash VIP slash antiheroes. Again, that's distrokid.com slash VIP slash antiheroes. Thank you so much and support all the folks at DistroKid because they're, they're doing amazing work and we couldn't be happier to... To have them on board i'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at jim dunlop and mxr pedals we couldn't be luckier to have these guys on board with us i personally use these products and you should too find out more about them at jimdunlop.com. let's get on to the podcast Welcome to the Anti-Heroes Podcast with your host, Zach Blair. I am Zach Blair. How you doing? I feel like we haven't talked in a month of Sundays, which is a very Texas thing to say. I gotta say, today I was very, very, very excited to talk to our guest. Today is Josh Newton from a band called Shiner. I feel like Shiner is a criminally underrated band from Kansas City. Uh, the wonderful Alan Epley, Jason Kirkkin, Josh Newton, Paul Milanowski. These are this is just a, a mighty, mighty, mighty band that I've loved forever. So do yourself a favor and go listen to anything Shiner's Ever Done. And check out Josh Newton and his wonderful guitar playing. We talk about some amazing things. Josh is a guitar tech to the stars, as you will hear. Josh kind of has tech for everybody and we talk a little bit about that, which is such an interesting perspective because he's also a guy that is on the stage playing guitar himself. So he has a sort of uh, different take on things, different view. He's got some really interesting gear choices. We talk about the electrical guitar company guitars made by the wonderful Kevin Burkett. Get into it, man. I'm going to shut uh, the fuck up so you can listen to me talk to Josh Newton.
1: Kevin awakes without his clothes. Found what he's looking for. Checks in the mirror for his face. Turning to close the door. Sets the
0: alarm. How you doing, Josh? Hey, man, it's good to finally be in contact. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you were one of the guys, like, when I started doing this, I was like, I got to talk to Josh <laughs> from Shiner. Um, I've loved Shiner for so fucking long. I'd like to say before Starless, but I think I think right in between, like right before Starless, and Jason Livermore telling me about you guys. I'll never forget about Just what an amazing band you are and recommending you to me and then just falling in love and eventually just kind of punishing you when I saw you out with someone I can't remember, but, uh, (laughs) just telling you "You fucking band. So cool. Uh, uh, and you're back together. So that's amazing. Yeah. We stopped doing things in
2: 2003, I think it was. And then, um, it's actually kind of funny because the reason we're back together is because of fallout boy. Actually. Um, I was working with, Joe being his guitar tech, and and he was like, "Hey, did the egg ever come out on vinyl?" And I said, "No." It was because it was like all CDs at the time, and nobody—that was all people were pressing. And he's like, "Oh, we got to put it out." So like, Joe Troman was the catalyst behind us being a band again. No shit. So wait, does does Joe have a label? Uh, no. <laughs> we just decided to like figure out how to do it, and we uh we went for it. And then we generated enough income so we could kind of just do it, on our, do it on our own after that. Wow.
0: Well, I'm going to thank him next time I see him for, for, <laughs> for that. And you know, that's an interesting thing too. You kind of brushed on, like you are also a professional guitar tech. So not only are you a professional guitar player and one of, of great merit and, and influence definitely on me, but you also are a guitar tech for a living as well. So you, you do this. Um, well, how did you get into that? Well, I was
2: playing with Joe and the Damn Things. I was playing bass for that band. And Fallout Boy was talking about getting back together. And he was like, you like guitars and stuff? Why don't you just be my tech? And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, sure. Because I, I think I'd already left um, every time I die at that point. And I was spending a year working at Saturday Night Live. And I kind of just wanted to be on the road again which is funny because I actually, I took a job because I wanted to be off the road. I mean, Saturday Night Live kept me so busy that I might I might as well have just been touring anyways, because I was never home, even though I was in town. So You were working for Saturday Night Live. Now, were you teching for Saturday Night Live? No, I was actually just a, a production assistant at everything that got filmed, not at 30 Rock. So like all the commercial spoofs and all that
0: stuff. Wow. I, that's my favorite show of all time. So that's, that's uh, it's fascinating. Funny.
2: It's, I was a huge fan as well, and I still watch now. And it was it was funny to be there and see how you know the sausage is made, as they say. I don't know. It was just cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A friend was like, "Come do this," and I was like, "Okay." It's kind of funny because that's how every. I feel like every job I've had as an adult is a friend being like, "Hey, come do
0: this." I'm like, "Oh, okay, sure." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I mean, you've lived so many lives. I didn't know any of this. I just, you know. I, I that's so interesting because you also had the band with Joe Troman and Scott and write the damn things. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. We, we did that um, for a
2: while and toured the world. And that was pretty fun. Like the first time, the first time I walked into practice and Scott was playing his like New York Yankees Jackson with like the, the knot on the fretboard. I was like, Oh, I I, I know. I it. was like, Oh shit. <laughs> it
0: was pretty wild. This is real. Yeah. I'm such a huge fan of Scott and because I'm a, I'm a thrash metal kid, you know, and, and, and a crossover guy and all that. So, like, I just, I've always idolized him. And I use, like, Seymour Duncan JB pickups because he uses Seymour Duncan JB pickups. I went and got the TC Electronics Distortion Booster because he has the, you know, yeah. I did the whole thing. Well, so you're also famously a lefty, and how's that journey been? <sighs> uh, well...
2: Kind of a drag, actually. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> the first couple of guitars I got were righties that I flipped over, and I think they were like they were both like applause guitars or something. And I, I took lessons. I went to this teacher who was really trying hard to not get me to play left-handed, but I already had like a a feel for picking up the guitar that way, and that's how it felt natural to me. Anyways, this teacher that I had would just like shred for the whole lesson and just. If anything, just leave me more discouraged than inspired, you know? Right, so.
0: right. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had those experiences where you're like, come on, yeah, man. Like,
2: okay, I remember really paying you seven bucks a half an hour to just watch you, like, yeah. play Metallica solos?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just a kid, man. Just show me a bar chord, Jesus fucking Christ.
2: And basically, yeah, I got the power chord, and I was, like, off to the races. Start, I just started forming bands, like, immediately.
0: Who were your guys originally? Who were your early-on influences?
2: Um initially, I would say Metallica was big in that time and Slayer and Sex Pistols were big for me. My my sister was like a punk rocker. So I had like the hair metal stuff and the thrash stuff, but then my sister like influenced me with a bunch of like goth and, and punk and so like the Sex Pistols, but then also the Cure and Joy Division and Public Image Limited and stuff like that. So I was always coming from, like, a weird spot. And also as a child, as a maybe a 13-, 14-year-old kid, I really loved Steve Vai. Steve Vai was, like, it for me for a couple years. And I started to practice all the shreddy stuff. And I was like, but there's not really a song here. I don't know. I kind of realized that playing like that, there was kind of a glass ceiling, I thought, for playing like that. Because... Yeah. I feel like dudes that can play that well always play a little bit too much.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, because you know they worked so hard to learn how to do that, so it's like, why not? But that you know the uh, the attitude song off Flexible, that's a jam. So good, and call it sleep was great too. Absolutely, it was like kind of like he was still sort of not fresh out of Zappa, but sort of fresh out of Zappa. So he was still taking some risks and yeah. doing some
2: cool things. There's some heavy Zappa know. on that record.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, and I and I kind of justify my like. Well, my love for that record by going, well, it's kind of like Zappa. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Rain and Blood was really big for me around that time, too. So Me, too, my friend.
1: Yeah. Me
2: there too. was a lot of, uh, I figured if I could just move my fingers really fast and had a whammy bar, it kind of sounded just like Cary King. Yeah. <laughs> not really I playing mean, any scales in particular.
0: <laughs> I don't think he was either, though. No, definitely right. not. I was like, shit, I can do that. He's kinda of like Greg Ginn but for speed metal. Yes. Do you know? Totally. And then you, you realize Greg Ginn was sort of like doing his impersonation of ornette Coleman, totally. which is just mind blowing. Just yeah. Fucking like mind blowing.
2: Wild ass free jazz shit in the middle exactly. of
0: this other wild ass shit. <laughs> which, you know, for me, Kerry King, if you conceptualize it that way, it's so uh the concept of it is so is so big. But then it ended up really just sounding the way if a demon was playing a lead guitar solo, you know, <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah so totally. evil and menacing, and I, I, I loved it. I, I still love. It. No one plays lead guitar like that guy. Like nobody. No,
2: and the riffs are just so awesome. It's it's yeah. And Dave Lombardo, like that that band, yeah. like South of Heaven and Rain and Blood. That band was like unstoppable at that point.
0: I agree, and I, I I really feel like Rain and Blood is a perfect record in my opinion. Like the sound of it, the everything, the the fact that there's not a lot of distortion, which makes it sound even weirder and eerier. So you know, yeah, and of? like probably harder to play. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, and you know, distortion. We've covered that many times on this podcast. Distortion is your friend. It makes like double picking and galloping and stuff like that. It it glues that together in a way that helps you out. You know.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I don't play guitar like that a ton, but yes, it's always fun to.
0: It's fun to dip in and out, that's for sure. <clears throat> um, fast forwarding a bit, so how did, how did you meet like Alan and Shiner and, and, and all those guys? How did that start for you?
2: Uh, I started a band when I was like 17 called Glazed Baby, and we got signed to this label Red Decibel that Seasons of Risk from Kansas City was on. And we started playing a bunch of shows with Season to Risk and spending a lot of time in Kansas City. And uh, the bass player from Season to Risk quit, Paul, to join Shiner. I took his place in Season to Risk playing bass. And then one day they had a friend of mine playing guitar for a while, but he didn't really work out. And uh, I was like, I got to Les Paul. So they were like, all right, come be the other guy. So I started on the Making Love EP, which came out right before
0: Starless. Uh that Starless record is just so goddamn good. Again, everything from the production, the way it sounds, all the, the sonics, everything. It just it adds to this this one thing that makes that record for me just so perfect. You know? For a long time I had a I had a problem with it because
2: I felt like it was just too produced. And I guess that means it it just sounds too good. I'm not really sure what that means. But um it took me a while to like reconcile with that record and to to be really happy with it or not, not happy, the least embarrassed with it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I understand that. I understand
0: that. I mean, you're too close to it. You're just way too close. Forest and the trees is definitely a problem with what I do. For sure, I think as artists, we're all like that. We're so close to this thing that like comes out of us. It's a real strange, um, it's like, it's like a baby or something.
2: I only hear the mistakes personally. That's like all the things I wish I hadn't done.
0: Well, the same way, everything I listen to, I'm like, ah, fuck, I wish I could, you wish you had another chance at it. But that would also probably ruin it, I guess. I don't know. Who
2: knows? <laughs> for sure. And wh- where are you from originally? We've never talked um, about I'm originally that. from Massachusetts, and I lived there until I was probably 20, and then I moved to Kansas City. I was in K- KC for about 10 years, yeah.
0: And you moved there to be in- uh, I hadn't risk.
2: really. I just had so many good times going through there. I was like, well, it's cheap to the middle of the country you can drive to chicago in a day you can drive to either coast in a day let's it seems like a good place to tour from and it, it definitely was
0: i think you know being from texas we had that thing as well it was like it was always like the midwest so you had a day to each coast or up or you know uh, and being in kansas city goddamn, you're so so centrally located you know you're almost like in the middle so yeah that it's funny you and i you know i've The one theme I have with this podcast is I talk to a lot of guys that started in vans and things, and we think about things that way, you know, (laughs) how far that drive, how far that drive's going to be. Oh, that's a good,
2: that's a good nine hours, man. Oh boy.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's true. We smell our own, you know, as I guess an old farmer would, if he's commiserating with another farmer who he doesn't know, they're talking about the same, you know, so we do this, we do the same shit. I'm also going to fast forward a bit. How did you get around to like, were you a Travis Bean guy before you were an electrical guitar guy? I was, because
2: when I was 17, I went and saw The Jesus Lizard. Dwayne Dennison, fuck, that dude. Yeah. Brilliant chord voicings, gr- yeah. great riffs. Like, I, I read an interview with him where he called himself the evil Andy Summers. And I was like, oh my God, that, that's yeah, that's, perfect. that's a
0: great way to put it. Yeah,
2: totally it. perfect. But seeing him with the beans and the high watt, and I was like, God, it just sounds so like gnarly, but clean, but just abrasive and awesome. And mm-hmm. then going back and realizing that Keith Levine from Public Image Limited had used one, and there was a band from Providence called Six Finger Satellite that I loved very much, and their guitar player used one.
0: I remember that band. Yeah,
2: I might yep. be playing guitar for that band now. <laughs>
0: Oh, no shit. Yeah. Congratulations. I, I remember that. I mean, that goddamn, it seems like we were always circling. Well, they, and they toured a ton with the Jesus Lizard as well.
2: Um, yeah, Sub Pop is reissuing their first record, and we're going to play some shows in the fall, I think.
0: Oh, congratulations. Well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> yes, it here it's first. an exclusive. Well, are, are you still a High Watt amp guy?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I went to the factory over the summer when we played in Toronto, They have have like a secondary location in Toronto. And um, I played some of their new cabs with like a 212 and a 15. And it was just gnarly. It was ridiculous. But also like getting to really crank up one of the 100 watt customs, I was like, it just instantly sounds like live at Leeds. Like it it sounds like Townsend instantly. Wow, And it was just the new stuff they're doing is really great sounding.
0: There's something so discernible about them. Though, yeah. Right? And it's,
2: you'd think that since Alan plays one and I play one, that it would kind of sound the same. But I guess with our guitars and our hands and our pedal chains, it doesn't sound the same at all.
0: Well, you know, I, it was so long after, you know, I'm a huge um, Stranglers fan and realized that, mm. you know, JJ Brunel just plugs into a high watt like guitar head. And yep. that's that discernible. Sound that that even he does. It's like, oh well fuck, okay, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Yeah, it's a great, great sound. Yeah. Like
2: I tend to usually I, I drive the power tubes a bit, but I tend to get most of my gain from a pedal. It just works out the best with what Shiner does. And uh Yeah. I was an orange guy for a long time. Yeah. Also great stuff. I, I had the newest Rocker Verb and it just didn't really it wasn't doing what I needed it to do. So went to the high watts
0: i have to admit that i've i've just now been dipping my toe into the world of profiling we're doing kempers and i felt like i needed to kick my own ass for a while because at first i was just like ah fuck that i'm not doing it i'm not doing it now we're doing it (laughs) and man i i'm really impressed i gotta admit i'm impressed and it's kind of Mm -hmm. cool to know that like i could have a high watt or a mesa or an orange or you know what i mean um I'm not yep. I'm not exclusively going to do them, but I do – I like the ability to be able to dip it out of them. Are you using the powered ones? I'm using the, the powered Kemper, yeah. Well, you know, because we're going to South America um, tomorrow, mm. adapter tomorrow. It just makes so much sense when you're traveling totally. like that, as you well know. I mean, if you're relying on rental gear, we're doing the Lollapalooza run down in South America, so it's like – that would just be amp du jour of renting because you can't take your stuff with you down there, and it's it just kind of pushed us over the edge. And so now we tried it on a festival run uh, just a weekender in Florida, and it was great. I couldn't complain. So I was like, all right, well, fuck it. Here we go. You know,
2: I mean, I, more than anything as a touring band, I feel like you need consistency. Sure. Uh, it's, when, as a tech, all I want the dude that I work for, or the lady, is to feel like, it's the same shit every night absolutely so they don't so they don't have to think about it at all like i don't like when something goes wrong, I take it so personally. I've been so angry at gear and
0: yeah
2: and angry at myself, if it was my doing, that shit will keep me up overnight, no problem, sure, you know, sure, but like consistency is very important,
0: yeah. absolutely no you're right and and those are i mean those are there's there's also the the quad cortex now which i hear great things about and i'd like to try one of those out as well so kevin briquette at electrical guitar company is now remaking travis beans as well he got the rights to the company and stuff and you were a travis bean guy before the new acquisition um how do you think they compare and contrast
2: well being left-handed I've only touched a couple Lefty Beans, but the, the ones that I've touched that were right-handed, I think he's just kind of continuing the development and making it better. I mean, my first electrical was basically a Travis Bean with an all-aluminum body.
1: Mm, okay.
2: So I, I had a few of those, and I liked them very much, and they're awesome guitars. But now, since I've finally gotten him to make me some Beans... It just doesn't feel like any other guitar I've ever played. Yeah. Like there's never a dead spot anywhere in the neck. It just rings out differently to me. I hear far more frequencies. Yeah. Maybe too many sometimes. Right, right, right. <laughs> but Kevin is is a extremely talented man and he's been super 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 supportive. I think I bought my first EGC in like
0: 2007 or something. Oh. Uh, the world needs needs those guys, man you know absolutely yeah. totally i mean he's a genius and he has an obsession with a specific thing you know what i mm-hmm. mean like he got obsessed with the travis bean guitar and he's a genius and he can make them and so the world now gets travis bean guitars again which is amazing it's it's so cool yeah, yeah. you know so the bean family is still making money off the guitars too it's amazing so it's it's cool yeah that's so cool i have a um Oh, it's like the, the, the Dan Armstrong, Travis Bean. So it's two guys' names like mixed. You know, it's it, Kevin made it for me. Uh, I, even, yeah, yeah. I, I still have the Formica Pit guard on it, the whole thing, you know, the clear, you know, the Lucite, but with the EGC neck. And it's, it's so goddamned heavy, but it's so cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I actually just got one of the Chinese Dan Armstrong copies, and I think I'm going to have Kevin make me a neck for it. Yeah. Actually.
0: Oh, those, those copies are kind of cool. Like, did you get it on eBay for like 300 bucks? Um, actually,
2: Gavin Caswell. Yeah. I think you probably know him. I know Gavin. He bought one one and they sent him a lefty. And he's like, well, I know who this is going to. So I traded him a couple of pedals. I traded him some pedals for it.
0: Oh, that's great! I just saw Gavin on that Florida weekend I was just talking about, and they they toured with us over the summer. The Census um, Fail band, um, yeah. Uh, cool. sh- shouts out to Gavin Caswell. Well, that's that's fantastic, man. I'm I'm an old Dan Armstrong guy too. I have a '68 that had been like, oh, it it has the sort of mod that the Descendants guys and you know like the shot the shaler tunable bridge and the EMG in it. Uh, yep, I got it from. Um, Oh, Dave Nasworthy from Chemical People. But you know, the reissues they did in 2008 were great, too.
2: Uh, yeah, I had one of the basses. They made a couple lefty basses, and they and Doc gave me one, actually. Oh, right. And I hadn't really played it before we played the show. Oh. And with it being a short-scale bass, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is so weird. <laughs> yeah, what am I fucking doing? Yeah. Yeah, they were great, though. I, I really liked that bass a lot.
0: Yeah, you have to, like, with the guitars, you got to put different pickups in it you and know, all that. So that was weird, like, you know, like that shit that they – I mean, I guess uh, Travis Bean was born out of it, too. Like, the 60s and 70s, there are so many, like, swing-for-the-fence moments, you know? they Like, the, the pickup <laughs> yeah. ramp, you have the different three pickups that goes in and out of the Dan Armstrong. The fact that it's a goddamn Lucite guitar in the first place, you know, what an oddball guitar that was. You mentioned earlier your distortion is from a pedal. What What is that of choice at this moment? Presently,
2: it's uh, an MXR Timmy, one of those mini Timmy pedals. Oh, yeah. It's like my mid-gain. And then when, I, when it's time for a big riff, I add the Earthquaker device's plumes to it. Oh, I, I love the plumes. It's funny because I hate tube screamers. Yeah. I, I've never been like an 800- and a Tube Screamer guy. I think I just never had the right mindset. For everybody else, it sounds great. But when I play it, it sounds like trash. I mean, not 800s, but just that particular setup. I never get the magic that I hear everyone else get that plays an 800 and a Tube Screamer. Sure. But also, it was just too mid-rangey for me at the time. But now, I kind of live in the mid and the lows. Well, I guess in the highs, too. But (laughs) like I said, too many frequencies with the Travis Beans. Um, But yeah, The Plumes is great. I mean...
0: You have a hard time finding a bad Earthquaker pedal, I think. Yeah, they're really—they do such great things over there, man. They do such great things over there. I even got their bows. You know, it's like their version of yep. an attenuator, sort of treble booster. Um, yeah, they have—they do great stuff. I've been using the Klon KTR as a lead boost. You know, and I just use it as a lead cool. boost, and I go for the amp for. But I mean, I'm sure Earthquaker. I don't know what it would be, but I'm sure they have a version of a clone because everyone does. And I'm sure theirs is great. Yeah, I uh, I've actually been on my board. I've had a thirty dollars Amazon
2: clone. Oh no shit! Yeah, that's the first thing after the input before it goes through everything
0: else. I mean, <laughs> and they're all pretty goddamn good. I went down. To, I did the uh, the Archer. I did the uh, the Centura. I did. I've done so many different people's versions of it and they're all pretty good you know yeah i yeah. mean
2: well i got lucky because i actually i was checking for slater kinney and carrie had an actual clone on her board and then corin the other guitar player she had a ktr and then the third guitar player had some other clone. so i get to like mess with all the flavors at once which was pretty rad that's
0: awesome yeah i try them all out yeah i i kind of abed. A bunch of clones with the the KTR, and I kind of honestly, I negligible difference. You know, you set them all at the yeah. same setting, and it's like not even enough to the discernible ear. You know, especially in a live setting, you're not going to know the difference. You know. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, I don't know if it's if is is it common knowledge or it should be that Shiner or what's the future going with you guys? We are currently in the process of
2: writing. Gonna do another record. Sometime here when I'm not off working for other bands, sure. And uh, yeah, just keep doing the thing. It's still fun, so there's no
0: reason not to do it. Yeah. So the rest of your year is it? Is it you're working with Fallout Boy? Yep. Okay. As,
2: well, I'm doing one run with Kings of Leon, doing like five shows in June or something. So I'm gonna go do that, and then Fallout Boy starts touring.
0: I think in July or something, late June. I just think that's so interesting and fascinating. You get you get all the aspects of it, you know you work and you're so busy you're always on tour, but sometimes you're tacking sometimes you're playing, and yeah, you really get to appreciate it in a lot of different ways I'm a guy that could kind of fix some shit, but I don't trust myself you know being in charge of somebody's shit
2: i mean i'm no, by no means a luthier or luthier if you will yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm triage right <laughs> you know and I can You know, I I know enough to like, I can obviously set your guitar up and all that stuff, but like I couldn't, I wouldn't want to do a refret. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I have my own crappy guitars to destroy. So that's good. I'm also the worst tech for myself. I hate teching for myself. I hate working on my own guitars. Yeah, I'm with you there.
0: (laughs) But you know, as far as refretting, I don't even think the best techs want to fuck with that. I mean, that's... Probably not. Yeah. That's some, that's some shit, man. I did a
2: couple of weeks with Slipknot working for V-Man who was my tech at one point. Yeah. Uh, he was like telling me how they have to hammer their frets back in all the time because they sweat so much because the outfits and all of the like fire on stage
0: like mm-hmm. they just sweat the frets right out of the guitar jesus so Christ. wild. yeah i you know v-man was years ago we had the gallows out with us and he was teching for gallows and so we became friends and we sort of bonded over the fact that i used to be in guar i don't think he cared so much for rise against <laughs> but he was like oh you're in guar so he we, we, he wanted to talk to me about that which i was more than willing to talk about that you know when did you leave guar 2003 Okay, so I did some of that Sounds of the Underground
2: tour, I think, when I was with From Autumn to Ashes, and they were on that as well. Oh, that would have been Corey
0: that replaced me. Okay. And then Corey passed away, and then I went back and made a record with them called Battle of Maximus. I I wrote and recorded half of it with them, and then they found the guy who was currently the guitar player, and he did the rest. Uh, So I got to go back, and that ended up being Dave Brockie's last record. Uh fortunately yeah. for me, unfortunately for the world, because he was just such a great guy. But yeah, it's it's really odd that a it's odd that I did that, and b it's odd they sort of swath of people that you sort of make friends with that find out and like, oh my god, you're you know, yeah, it's a it's it's a weird thing.
2: Yeah, I went and saw them in Solomon, Boston a like hundred years ago. You no, know, after which we went out to eat, just covered in blood and of all, course. all that stuff. It it's, the whole, it's the
0: whole thing. I recommend, I've, I've plugged it a few times now, but I recommend there's a documentary now called This Is Guar. Did you see I it? I watched it. Okay, yep. okay, yeah. It was great, it was I, great. I, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm an executive producer on it, so of course I have to plug it. I scored it, you know, the music on it and all that. So I feel like I'm just this walking advertisement for like, watch the shit. <laughs> but it's also, even if you don't like, or whatever it's just an interesting story
2: absolutely no yeah. glaze baby we we toured a lot with buzz oven so we were in richmond a lot
0: oh yeah that band holy yep. shit that was, yep they were serious <laughs> they were se- mm. we had a friend named sean bailey from dallas and he toured with buzz oven and we were always getting the stories back from him and uh yeah those guys seemed pretty nuts oh yeah like Balls to the wall, insanity all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Glazed Baby because my band Hackfish in the nineties. Like, I don't think we played with Glazed Baby, but we definitely played with Season to Risk, and we definitely did, you know, mm. a lot of Kansas City bands and stuff. But I just remember seeing that name Glaze Baby and thinking it was a great name.
2: Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's totally my fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's great.
0: We had a show, no name.
2: I literally was at Dunkin' Donuts and I found a. Uh, this thing they used to have called a bow tie. And I was like, oh, it looks like a glazed baby. And of course that was like the big, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it was your Leonard Skinnerd, Exactly. Yeah. Which by the way, it's totally off the subject. I am not a Leonard Skinnerd fan, but that documentary that's on Netflix about them is pretty goddamn good. It's kind of crazy. I'll watch a documentary about pretty much any band. I will too. I will. It doesn't matter who the band is. It's always an interesting yeah. story. Always an interesting story. Um, Like I watched the this gorillas
2: one. I don't care about gorillas, but it was interesting. I bet it was. I bet it was.
0: (laughs) And and what an interesting, different, original band that is. You know, it's an artist. Totally,
2: absolutely. You know,
0: well, I won't keep you on too much longer. I I do ask everybody. There's there's a like a one that got away. What do you? Is it something maybe you got stolen or you lost to pawn or whatever? It could be amp, guitar, pedal, anything. I had
2: a nineteen seventy three super lead. That was red. Oh, shit. That was three days older than me. Whoa. And I sold it. I got a divorce, of course, the story. And uh, I was moving out of Kansas City, and I sold it to a friend for way too cheap. That thing was insane. It was. Fuck. It was originally built with a matching set. Some band came through Kansas City in the 70s, and... For some reason, they left it. I think they were using... It It was a keyboard amp because it came with a f- matching 412 that had a huge horn in the top. Wow. And you can't even find these cabinets. I don't know. I, I've gone back and tried to find out what these cabs were. Like the wheat grill, the whole thing. It was yeah. amazing. I, did, I didn't have the cab, but the cab was still kicking around Kansas City. But the head was the la- I think it was kind of voiced more like a super bass, actually. Wow. Because it still had plenty of low end. It didn't really thin out. And I paid... I think I paid four or 500 bucks for it.
0: Oh my God. It's
2: always that. It's always that. It's always like a a great deal. The half stack that I used to use in Shiner, the orange half stack, I bought that for $250. Oh my God. A friend of mine had it in his garage and I was like, hey, man, what are you doing with this? Because he wasn't playing in a band. He didn't really have any interest in it anymore. And he's like, oh, yeah, that thing, I don't know. I tried the other voltages and it just didn't sound good. I was like, okay. He tried the other voltages uh, uh, yeah. And he's like, "I don't know, give me 200 bucks." I was like, "I'll give you 250." Like, I, yeah. would, I already knew that I was like, "Please let hey, me give you way more. too little." Yeah So it was between that 73 Marshall and I'm not even sure what year the orange was, but those were pretty rad amps. I had a 78 Les Paul. Oh yeah, do you still have it? No, it was too nice. I felt like I was destroying it, so I sold it and got a telly <laughs> i've had those
0: i've had those so you you sold the marshall to somebody like do you know where it is now
2: yeah same dude still has it but he was one of those dudes that would be like well let me check what the market value is now oh you yeah
0: know, so. oh, fuck. and i mean like
2: you know i don't expect to pay you know i wouldn't expect to pay what i sold it to him for but a little markup is fine you know
0: I was talking to a friend the other day that that sold like his – it was a jazz bass that he had had since he was a kid. He really wanted it back. He knew the guy he sold it to. He offered the guy a lot of money for it, told him what it meant to him, and the guy was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to Really? I mean offered him thousands of dollars, and the guy was like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. It's like, come on, man. That's such a drag. Well, that's – I mean those – I know the one you're talking about, the red Tolex. I have a red Tolex 800 head. And there's just something so special about that, you know? I always had a
2: thing for the weirdly colored marshals. Like, I always wanted a fawn one. Yeah. I always wanted, I think I had a white one, maybe. I also had a red 810 cabinet.
0: That was pretty sweet. I had a red, that is sweet. I had a red, one of those micro stacks, you know, that they did in the uh, Oh, yeah. I, well, I actually have it. I don't even know what the fuck it is, but I have a red micro stack, a uh, red 800. Did they do a blue or did I make that up? They did. Uh, I forget what anniversary it was
2: for, but they did a blue with a gold metal logo.
0: Oh shit, that's right.
2: And I I don't even remember what I, I feel like it was an anniversary amp with too many switches and all that
0: jazz. But yeah, you might be right. Yeah, yeah. I'd still love to get a good eight hundred. I kind of wanted that Kerry King one. <laughs> no, you know what? That's valid because they had that EQ in them. You know, yeah, and like the he, gate. Yep, and the gate. He added that EQ always to his tone, and so it comes with that. The problem is, it just had that like that like tribal artwork. You know.
2: Yeah, I would I would really have to get a new head shell for that real quick.
0: <laughs> mm. You know what I wanted to try out was the Ingve head. I was it, just
2: going to say that. Yeah, yes. damn.
0: Yes. Because isn't it based on a Plexi, but it's got like basically a tube screamer kind of built into it?
2: Yeah, it's got the DoD uh, overdrive pedal kind of built in. That's
0: what it is. The DoD, that's right.
2: Which that pedal is now like come out of nowhere again and become like a huge thing, you know, with like the JHS clones and all that stuff. Yeah. It's kind
0: of it's weird. so weird. It's so weird. DoD. Those are the pedals that we just had every, they were ubiquitous when we were kids, you know, like, and even then I didn't want to play them. No. And they were all like
2: 45 bucks somehow. Every yeah, totally.
0: DOD pedal you saw that was used was forty five dollars. Totally. But leave it to Ingve Malmstein to go, no, this is the one. This is the pedal. You know, Tom Morello uses a DOD EQ and it's just like the one. He sticks with that. He finds them used and he just buys those. It's so fucking weird. Um, and he uses them as a hmm. boost. He doesn't he flattens them out and then uses there's the one on the end, you know, there's the one volume that you can boost the volume just a tad. He uses it for his lead boost, actually. It's really strange. Interesting. That's cool. I don't know. Well, look, we could talk about this shit all day, but I don't want to take your whole day from you. Uh, <laughs> man, Josh, thank you so much for doing uh, my podcast. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of you as a person. We're buddies, but I've I, also been a huge fan of your guitar work and I'm such a huge fan of your band. So I'm so glad you guys are doing it again. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. Absolutely. I,
2: I've always dug what you've done with Brads Against. And thank you. You guys crush it every time I've seen you and tim's oh, voice is you. always
0: ridiculous so it's that's one our one saving grace is we got that dude singing for us man i mean we could all kind of suck <laughs> and then he, when he opens his mouth it's just like fuck all right we got we got that at least you know but anyway man well i'll uh, i'll talk at you soon and, and thanks again for doing this thank you for having me yeah buddy take care what'd you think you know i've known josh for a while as you can tell we we talk as friends do but i respect his playing and his band so much that i still get a little nervous talking to somebody like that because i feel like uh imposter syndrome thing happening of who the fuck am i you know that band has really gotten me through some times they're one of my mainstays uh, shiner i listen to them often uh you know here at the end, I'm, I'm going to choose, uh, as I always do, a, a wonderful example of Josh's guitar playing. And I'm going to go back to 2000. We talked a little bit about the record Starless on there. Now, I want to give full mention to their newest effort that came out in 2020, uh, Schadenfreude. Please listen to that record. The whole thing's amazing. Check out the second track, Life as a Mannequin. But we're going to go to Starless. And we'll go to the third track. It's called Kevin is Gone. You know, with Shiner, there's such a guitar language between Josh Newton and Alan Epley They sort of do this concept we've talked about a few times on here, weaving, you know, which if you have two great guitar players, they sort of um, take different parts. And so you'll hear this concept on this, this song for sure. All of the riffs are amazing. Everything Shiner does is amazing, so listen to it. Check it out for yourself. Uh, I am also going to thank the wonderful folks over at Jim Dunlop for sponsoring us. MXR pedals. Check out what they're doing at jimdunlop.com. Also, give a shout out and a hello to our friends over at Seymour Duncan Products and Pickups. Thank you guys for hanging with us, Seymour Duncan. And thank you for hanging with me and listening to this podcast and listening to me talk and doing all that stuff. I mean, there's people that that don't want to hear me talk, and all of you people are. are pressing play on your podcast players and willingly signing up to listen to me anyway uh, stay tuned we still have some great guests coming up Uh, stay tuned I'm going to keep doing it talk to you guys soon
1: Kevin awakes without his clothes found what he's looking for checks in the mirror